And I am well aware of the time, but I am going to uh, preach a regular Methodist sermon. How about that one? I grew up in a church where the sermon was like 10 minutes, and I was like, woo, okay, we got it. All right. Hey, before I start, though, I wanted to just say a huge word of thanks because we haven't acknowledged him yet, but La Grande Cosecha is in the house this morning. Hey, guys. Welcome. We see you over there. Hey, they worship with us every quarter, right? They're trying to worship with us every quarter, and that's awesome. I was able to preach for them last weekend. It was a a treat. So we love you guys. Thank you for the ministry that y'all are doing uh, for us, for Latinos, Hispanics. God's doing a good work through you guys. Hey, if you've got that outline in front of you, and hopefully you have a Bible, we're going to study God's Word this morning. We're talking about how to be rich. We're not talking about how to get rich. We're talking about how to be rich, because in week one, remember what we said? We are rich. I mean, compared to the present world that we live in, if you make more than $37,000, you're in the top 4%. Over 45, you're in the top 1%. We are rich. God has blessed us. And we've been reading this scripture um, together from 1 Timothy. So I want to invite you with your Bibles to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read it together. Week 1, we talked about the fact that we are rich we're going to admit we're rich, and we're going to take responsibility for learning how to be rich and do with God's blessings what He wants us to do. And then last week, I, I talked to you about the, the ability for us to, to really learn what money is. Money and wealth can be so deceiving. It can deceive us. It can trick us. And we, it is very easy for us to, over time, the more and more we have, the more and more God blesses us, to transfer our trust from God to wealth, to stuff, to material possessions. And God wants us to surrender our trust to Him because He is the one who richly provides for us. Read this scripture with me, and then we're going to talk about uh, how to be rich beyond money. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Bible, the Bible says this, Command those who are rich in this present world, in this present world, we said that's us, right? In this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, the first two weeks were around that scripture, and if you miss them, let me remind you, you can go to our website every week, and you can listen to a streaming uh, podcast of the sermon that was there, or you can subscribe to iTunes, and it'll come right into your computer every day. But the first two weeks, if you haven't heard those two, go back. Now, this week, we're going to move to the next scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, Command them, what am I going to command them? To do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. That's what we're going to be talking about today. To do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be willing to share. And then that last verse, verse 19. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So the question is, if we're going to talk today about being rich beyond money, the question is simply this. What does it mean to do good deeds? And what do those good deeds look like? I put a scripture there in your outline from the book of Ephesians that I wanted to read that reminds us of the good deeds that God did for us. So let's look at what God, how God does good deeds, and then let's us ask ourselves, how are we supposed to do good deeds, okay? So Ephesians um, says simply this, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read them fast, but I think in your outline I've bolded a couple of words, so look for those. 
As for you, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's all of us. As for all of you, as for all of us, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's a picture of us. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath, his anger, right? But this is what Paul wrote. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, notice that word mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And it is by grace that you've been saved. We're talking about the good works God's done for us. As God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God has been both kind and merciful. He's been graceful to us. You got your pen? Let's talk about what good deeds look like. First of all, they look like kindness. They, they, to do good deeds means you are rich in kindness. So I want you to think about what that would look like for you. What would it look like for you to do good deeds of kindness to others? Now, Jesus is our model, right? So how was Jesus rich in kindness? Well, Jesus was, he was nice and kind to a lot of people and all kinds of people. But what we learn most of all is that Jesus was rich in kindness to the wrong kind of people, okay? You know that already, right? Jesus hung out with people who were, the Bible calls them tax collectors, sinners, outcasts. They were, sometimes they were prostitutes. He hung out with all the other people. And here's what I want you to note. Jesus was rich in kindness to them. I put a scripture there in front of you from Luke chapter 7. I'm going to read it real quickly. Luke chapter 7, Jesus uh, had a woman come in. You remember this lady? The Bible says she was a sinful woman. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, um, says this. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town, by the way, it sounds to me like all the town knew that she lived a sinful life, lived a sinful life in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 39, and when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, this is the guy who has the house, right? The guy who's, who owns the house. When he saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And you know, I, I don't have time to read that full scripture, but you probably know more about that story. We don't know whether this lady was a prostitute, whether she was uh, a woman who was an adulterer, but we do know that she had a reputation in the town for, for being a very sinful woman. And she comes in, notice this, uninvited. She comes into the house uninvited. She brings alabaster perfume and she starts to pour it on Jesus. And the Pharisee who owns the house looks at it and to himself he thinks, my goodness, I'm, I, in my mind he's thinking, this is crazy. This should not be happening. I can't believe he's letting this happen. 
right now? What, what, what do I need to do about this moment as she's pouring perfume on him, as she's drying the perfume up with her hair? But what's interesting is that Jesus notices her. It sets up a moment for Jesus to respond in kindness to this lady that probably a lot of folks are not kind to. Now, real quickly, guys, in that culture there, men hardly even associated ladies. And if a normal lady would have come and even sat at the table, a man would not have normally even engaged her. Jesus does more than that. If you've read that scripture before, not only does he notice her, not only does he take account of her doing this incredibly, wonderfully expensive act of love to him, he notices her. And then even before the scripture is over, he looks at her and he says, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus' rich deeds have a lot to do with how, how kind he is. And he's in that moment, basically, he's saying, listen, I know everybody else puts you aside. I know everybody else is, is saying bad things about you, but you matter. You matter to me. He was kind in his good deeds. But notice this. That pa- passage in Ephesians talked about not only kindness, but mercy. Notice how Jesus shared mercifully to her. He, he, there is a, there is, he honors her with a response to her gift. Now, the Pharisee, was he right? Absolutely. This was a woman who was sin, a sinner. This, this was a woman who, was, who had probably all kinds of problems. He was right when he looked at her and, and, and he thought to himself, oh my gosh, this guy, if he knew who she was, he, I thought he was a prophet. She's a sinful woman. He was right. But what he didn't have that Jesus had was at the core of his heart, mercy. He looked at her and he didn't see what Jesus saw. He didn't see a person in great need of forgiveness, in great need of care, in great need of taking a world filled with chaos and finally trusting Jesus and getting a world that had direction and peace. But Jesus noticed. And so not only did Jesus respond in kindness, rich with his good deeds, but he responded in mercy. He trusted that a relationship with him would lead her to a place of wholeness. He led her to that place, even in that moment when he said, your sins are forgiven. In the book of Titus, it says this. Notice this. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Do you see how the kindness and the mercy of God work towards God's rich, good deeds for us? See, I think a lot of people have got God all mixed up. They think of God like he's some kind of mad, angry, you know, cop, you know. And whenever we mess up, oh, he's just disappointed with us and he wants to hurt us or he's got lightning bolts he wants to throw down. Listen, read the scriptures. The scriptures give us a totally different picture of God. And just in case you missed it from the words, God sent his son to embody kindness and embody mercy, right? God's kindness and his mercy is what saves us. And by the way, read the rest of that. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I pick up from that real quickly that God is kind to us, he's merciful to us, and then he's generous with us. God was kind to me. He forgave my wrongdoings. He was merciful for me to me, that when I mess up again, he continues to give me mercy. But here's the beautiful thing. After he did all of that, he gave his Holy Spirit. He was generous enough. 
to give his Holy Spirit to me. What a rich, good deed that is, that the Holy Spirit would dwell in me. So here I sit, uh, and we close out this series. How, how to be rich, right? I want to talk to you about how to be rich because you guys, you guys are some of the richest people on planet Earth. But today I want to talk to you about what does it mean beyond money, beyond the dollar signs, what would it look like for you to be rich in good deeds in 2016? Now, we haven't journeyed too far into this year, have we, right? 2016 has just really begun. What if this year, 2016, for you and for your family, was your best, most generous year in acting in kindness and in mercy and generosity with others? What would that look like for you? Get your pen. I just want to give you a picture of what would happen in your world if you really focus this year on being a good steward of being your riches and being kind and merciful and doing good to others. So here's the question. What are the rewards of a life that is lived pouring out good, rich deeds into others? Got your pen? Write this one down. Being rich in good deeds will bring me joy. Being rich in good deeds will bring me joy. Now you already know this, right? Whenever you do something for somebody else, whenever you love on somebody, whenever you give to somebody, whenever you pour your heart out to somebody's need, you always feel better. I have a clergy friend of mine that he says this, whenever I've had a bad day at the office, I don't go home, I go to the hospital. And I thought, what? I mean, I want to go home. I want to veg out a little bit. No, not my friend. You know what he's figured out? He's figured out that when he's had a bad administrative day and things have got all stressful, he knows that when he goes to the hospital, that's a rich environment for him to give to others. And he says, every time I leave the hospital, I feel, I know I've been called to ministry. It reminds him of his own calling because he's got joy, right? You know this already. Anytime you serve somebody else, maybe you served in our Helping in His Name food pantry before, you know when you serve, you get joy. Maybe you've gone with Patrick O'Neill. Patrick, right? You're looking for people all the time to go down with you to downtown to, to feed the homeless down there, right? Patrick takes a ministry from our church all the time down to Atlanta. If you ever go, to, go with Patrick, you will come back with a huge feeling of, oh, Lord, thank you. I got a place to lay my head. I am so blessed. You will have joy because God has used you to minister to somebody else. I could name, and I had planned to name a whole bunch of places, but I don't have time this morning. You know this. Whenever you do a good, rich deed for somebody else, it brings joy. And that's just a byproduct of when we do for others, when we look and see them. So that woman, think about her for a minute. She's pouring perfume on Jesus' feet. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And we always think about her leaving with freedom, right? And now she's experienced grace and mercy and kindness from the Savior of the world. And I always think that her joy quotient would be higher than anybody in the room. But you know what my practical faith tells me? There was one who was even more joyful than her. And that was the one who had given her mercy, given her kindness, given her grace. Listen, you know this. When you are rich in good deeds, joy floods out of you. So who gets the greater blessing? Always the person who is giving the blessing away. By the way, have you ever noticed this? Now watch this. Have you ever noticed that the riches in your world that you give away as good deeds always bring you more joy than the riches that you hold on to? Have you ever noticed that before? Why? Because when we are rich in our good deeds, joy flows in our life. Write this one down, second thing. What are we talking about? 
What happens? What's the result of being rich in good deeds? Second one, being rich in good deeds helps others see God. So if you're in a school system or if, you're at a, if you work at a, at a, at a law firm or, or maybe you're a, you're a single mom and, and you work, you, you, you work you know, beyond the home and you do all this stuff and then you come back to your home, no matter what your work environment is, wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you play, when you are rich in good deeds in that place, you are helping others see God. Now reflect back to that story for a minute. Jesus is there acting in kindness and acting in mercy. And everybody else is either focused on the food or they're focused on this sinful woman doing this, this incredibly, you know, um, visible act of her love and her thanksgiving to Jesus. But when Jesus responds the way he does, they, everybody else there, gets a picture of the Father. They get to see what the Father looks like. Can I just pause here for a minute and call time out and ask you to think for a minute about the different people who got to see God that day? That woman is on her knees drying Jesus' feet and he looks at her and he gives kindness because he even regards her and he says, you matter. Basically, he was looking at her and saying, thank you for this incredible act. And then he looks at her and he says, your sins are forgiven. That day, she saw God the Father through the Son in that moment. But what about the Pharisee sitting on the other side of the room that as far as we can tell, doesn't even say a word, but in his mind he's going, I thought this guy was a prophet. Doesn't he know this is a sinful world? A woman, and then all of a sudden he sees Jesus offer forgiveness. And maybe inside of his own self, he thought to himself, wait a minute, I'm a Pharisee. I know the law. I know religion better than anybody. But he's doing real religion. He is doing it the Father's way. You reflect back to that story, and you know that everybody in that room, when they saw Jesus being rich in good deeds through his mercy and his kindness, you know they saw God. And I'm here to tell you guys, listen, it doesn't matter where you work. I know some of you guys are the boss, and I know some of you guys are not the boss, okay? You're the employees. doesn't matter who you are, where you're at in the company. If you are rich in good deeds in that place, others will see God in you. And when you, listen, the converse is true too. When you are not rich in kindness, when you are not rich in mercy, you are stopping them from seeing God flow in your life. So this week, in your home, in your work, wherever you go, mercy, kindness, hold on to those things and show and reveal those things. By the way, I didn't even talk about the disciples who were in the room. There were disciples in the room, right? There were disciples in the room watching their Messiah that day, and they saw Jesus do what he had done so many other times. That's what caused them to change the world, because they saw Jesus, and in Jesus they saw the Father. If you are rich in good deeds... People will see the Father through you. Final thought here. Write this one down. Rich in good deeds. What's the result? The result is that you get joy. The result is that you show others God. Write this one down. Being rich in good deeds leads us towards generosity. When you are rich and people see you be rich, then others will be rich as well, and the generosity flows, okay? So this, this happens. This happens. Generosity builds and spreads when we are rich towards others. So... Um, let me tell you a real quick story. I'm going to kind of close with this. I brought a cereal box. As a matter of fact, I'm going to confess something. I brought my favorite cereal box. What is this? Cocoa Pebbles. I'm embarrassed to say that it's not, you know, but I like it. I hear you, Jose. Um, you will not find a Cocoa Pebble box in my house that's not normally opened and something eaten out of it. And by the way, have y'all ever, you remember back when they used to put prizes in cereal boxes? You remember that? Didn't you love that? I mean, I used to open cereal boxes and eat the whole thing to be able to find the prize, right? 
And as a matter of fact, I was noticing these days, they don't put the prize in the, uh, in the cereal, but they often are still filled with prizes. I look at this one. Win the ultimate Pebbles VIP vacation. Look inside the box, right? They're still giving gifts away in the box. Well, I read this neat story this week, and I wanted to put this couple's picture up here. Um, this, is, uh, this lady on the, on, the, on the left is called Tammy. Her husband's Robert. Um, she's on the right. He's on the left. And Tammy and Robert uh, went to their local Walmart, and they bought this cereal box, of, the great value cereal box of cornflakes. And um, they went home, and they opened it up. And when they opened it up, they were not expecting any prize inside, but taped to the very top of the little plastic that had never been opened before was a $100 bill. And so she, she pulled out the $100 bill, and she looked at it, and, and on the back of it was written the name Benny, B-E-N-N-Y. Now, here's the cool thing that I want to tell you about Tammy and Robert. Robert had a stroke uh, about 10 years ago, and he struggles with the symptoms of this stroke, the debilitating stroke that he has. And Robert has had, over that 10-year stretch, pneumonia more than 100 times. They have huge hospital bills they can't pay. And, and to them... This was incredible. And so they told people, they told people that $100 could radically help them in, in ways that, because they, they just they exist on nothing because of all the problems they have. What they did not know, watch this, what they did not know is that some local person in the community calling himself Benny had been planting $100 bills all over the community in little ways here and there. And he happened to put $100 bills in a cornflake box that land in, landed in, in Tammy and Robert's life. Well, the news channel in their local area picked up on it, and they started asking folks, listen, if you got a $100 bill from Benny, would you write in and tell us your story? Nobody ever figured out who Benny was. Nobody knows who Benny is. But these stories started to come in of Benny stories all over the place, and it was a story kind of like their story. You know, for Tammy and Robert, they asked, the news channel came, and they, they did this story. They took, this is their picture of them. They took this picture of them with their little $100 bill. And they asked, them, they asked Tammy, they said, what are you going to do with this? And she said, every penny of this $100 that we feel like God gave to us, to whoever Benny is, is going to our medical bills. I think we've got to do that. And Robert interrupted her, and he said, I don't think so. He said, I think that we're going to take this $100 down to the pawn shop where her wedding ring is. We hawked it. And he said, I think we're going to try to get her wedding ring out of out a hawk. And the news channel reported that it wasn't the first time her wedding ring had been in the pawn shop. They had pawned it several times just to get money for their medical needs. So she said, okay. And the next day, it ran, their story ran at the front page in their local newspaper about Benny and his $100 bills and how it, it, it impacted their life. And when she showed up at the pawn shop with her $100 trying to get her wedding ring out of pawn, the pawn shop said, your bill is paid. Take your wedding ring. Don't worry about it. You know, I just read that story and I thought to myself how generosity is like this boomerang thing, right? Generosity is just, if you throw it, it will come back and it'll hit somebody else as it goes, right? And I think, I just think that part of what it means to be rich, and that's who we are, right? We are rich in this present world. Part of what it means is to be rich beyond our money but with our deeds to others, to be generous and kind and merciful. And in so doing, we throw out that boomerang, and not only does it impact the lives of others, but all of a sudden others will not only, it gives us joy and others get to see God, but it gets other people inspired to be generous as well.
You know, one time Paul was running the church, and, and he said, he basically put it in competition. He said, we should, we should outdo one another's to be great disciples of Jesus. He was saying, let's challenge one another to be more on fire for the Lord and what he's doing. And listen, guys, that's part of what I want to challenge you guys as a church. I want Harvest Point to be an incredibly generous church, rich in good deeds. And I want us to hold on to this, these words from Timothy and go, wow, okay, what have we learned in this series? First, first, we're rich. And he says right out of the gate, don't be arrogant. Oh my goodness, God, would you keep us humble? And would you help us to make sure that we're using our resources to bless others? And would you help us to, to be rich in good deeds so that we're laying a foundation for the life that is to come? Final thought there in your outline. You got that? Look at that final thought. Just, just final thought of this series is simply this. Being rich has always, always been more than about money. Being rich is not about money. Okay, yes, money is a piece of it, but it's only one small piece of the pie. Being rich is about so much more than that. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me, moving through 2016, is that you and I would be mindful, very aware. We're incredibly rich. Oh, look at how much. God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. God, would you help us to look for moments where we can throw out a kindness and throw out a mercy, throw out a grace, and we can be rich in good deeds. I know to bring us joy, but that's not what it's about. That's just a byproduct. Others will see you, and others will grow in their generosity. This is how God works. Being rich has always been about more than money. So, my hope for you, my hope for you is that you will be very mindful of how to use the riches God's poured in your life. And that you would be rich in good deeds, that you would be generous and willing to share. And, and, and with, no, uh, with no shame, I tell you this morning, I pray for, I, I pray that you give to Harvest Point as you normally do, but I pray you bless the Gideons. Because what you're doing when you do that is you're throwing out a boomerang and you're saying, go God, go God, bless others and let that generosity flow. That will happen. And let me just close with one final thought here. Have you ever thought about this? God wants generosity for you. Let me say that a little differently. For the longest time, as a young Christian, I only grasped this concept, that God wanted generosity from me. I knew God wanted me to be generous. He wants generosity from me. But you know what I learned a long time ago now? I learned that that's like, that's like foundational. That's not like, that's not like the greater truth. It's not, the most important thing is not that God wants generosity from me. The better thing is that God wants generosity for me. That when I'm generous, you know who I'm like? I'm like Him. I've been made in the imago dei, in the image of God. And when I am rich in good deeds, willing to share, and generous with what He's blessed me with, he wants that for me because he knows that's who I am. That's who he made me to be. He made me to be like him. And when I am like that, I am the closest to being like my heavenly father. Harvest Point, every person here in this place, listen. I pray generosity 
for you. Not from you, for you. So that you would look more and more like your heavenly father. Would you pray with me? God, in the next few minutes as we give to the Gideon's ministry and as we give towards the ministries of our church, I just pray, God, you'd continue to expand our mind and our understanding about who you are. And Lord, help us to understand that (laughs) you are so rich and kind and merciful. And you've called us to be the same. And we confess to you that we aren't nearly like you are, God, but give us more ability to show mercy and kindness and help us to love and be kind and merciful to the people who nobody else is. And God, I pray for this congregation. I pray for every person here that you would help us grow to be rich in our good deeds and generous and willing to share. I pray this in the most holy name of God. Amen. Amen.